Here's Elliott side by side down the back stretch. Chastain in turn one drives it in deep to the problems bottom. along the front stretch. Kyle Larson gets sideways. He's young. He's informed. He's J.C. Fickenshaw, and it's time now to raise the door on J.C.'s Garage. Welcome back to J.C.'s Garage. I'm J.C. Fickenshaw, joined by David Stiles. Chris Busher wins at Bristol and kind of closes the first round of the playoffs with three non-playoff drivers winning it. It's uh, been a, been an exciting first round to the playoffs, but. Really surprising not seeing any of the playoff guys take one home. Uh, great race uh, on Saturday night at Bristol. Um, tires were were weird there. I think that's the biggest point we have to make there. The tires really never fell off, but they did cause a lot of accidents and caused some of the playoff drivers to uh, get knocked out or have an accident that involved them being in it. But Chris Buescher, obviously, first win for... Um, that team with Brad Keselowski joining it, and I think it's it's a it's a good win. Brad Keselowski was leading late in the race. He uh, was probably going to be running for the win. Ended up blowing a tire, and Chris Busher got the lead, and he ended up winning it. So going from uh, an owner winning a race as a driver to an owner winning a race as an owner. So pretty cool for him. I, I want to hear your thoughts, David. Yeah, I thought his post-race interview on PRN was pretty funny because he was talking to Brett McMillan and he told Brett, Brett, because Brett asked him that question and Brett's a good pit reporter. And so Brett asked him, how does it feel to have Chris Buescher win this race? And he says, well, we were going along and he says, I was really thinking that I was going to win. And he had a really good car all night, very strong. And like you said, they didn't have to take as many tires as we originally thought. And so he ended up doing a different strategy where they only took uh, two left tires, I think, on one of those final pit stops. And his right front ended up wearing down, and that's what caused him to give up the lead. They didn't really throw a caution for that. He was able to get down the track and get into his pit area. And at Bristol, that can be very difficult, especially with Mm -hmm. the two lanes that we were running in that race because you had some people who were running the bottom. And then after a few laps in that run, everyone would kind of – migrate to the top and so when that happened and he came off the track it allowed chris busher to take the lead and he was telling brett that it was one of the lows of lows it was like getting kicked in the balls and then chris busher winning the race was like him winning the lottery so you know you go from this deep valley to this big high and for this to be the first win for this I don't want to say a new organization, but since Brad Keselowski has come on to Roush Fenway, I think it's a big deal. And Chris Buescher has been trending in the right direction, not just in this race, but pretty much all year. I mean, we saw glimpses of him in the middle of the season at Sonoma with a second place finish when Daniel Suarez won his first race. So these Fords have been pretty good for RFK. They just haven't been able to put it all together, and I think a little bit of growing pains are still in sight for them here in the next couple months and maybe into next year. But I believe sooner or later they're going to get that turned around and they could potentially be ones to threaten for a championship in a couple years to come because look at what Trackhouse is doing with only two cars. You don't have to have these big super teams like we have had in the past with four cars apiece. And I know that Roush many years ago had five teams. So... For me, it's good to see that they're going to be competitive again, and I think that's good for everyone, not just RFK. 
Yeah, and it wasn't just a thing where they made up track position uh, on the final stage through making it through wrecks and, and pitch strategy. They were really competitive all, all night long. Obviously, Brad Kozlowski, he had a uh, very bold pitch strategy on stage to stay out and on old tires for the whole stage. And at the stage, you hold off cars like Chase Elliott, cars like uh, I think Kyle Busch was up there, some really fast cars on brand new tires. And he was able to hold them off. So that's one thing to point. We've seen these Goodyear tires that they've bring to some of these tracks be really strong and they they hold up really well there's not a lot of wear and it's it, do you prefer that as a fan do you prefer there's not as much wear on the tires and and you have i get it's less pitch strategy but in a way it's it it's a different style of pitch strategy do you prefer watching that style of racing i think it kind of depends um every once in a while i like a good fuel mileage race just because the strategy is different. Um, for me, I, I really like the way uh, Darlington runs, where it's extremely hard to drive. The tires are important. You have to manage it. I think it adds an extra layer into the race. But then again, I, I like places where, like at Bristol this weekend, or last weekend, where you didn't really have to change your tires all that much. You know, if you were able to manage them and run at a good pace and not tear your stuff up, then, you know, you were still very competitive and you could run multiple lines. So I think it's one of those kind of razor edge type things for me. I do think it's important to have pit stops. And I think that you can make positions up on, on pit stops. If you have a good pit crew and you can definitely lose positions on pit stops. If something goes wrong, I mean, like Eric Jones, they had a issued this past Saturday where they uh, were trying to pull the gun around the air gun around the other side of the car and they dropped the car on the air gun and then it messed up and it ended up costing him a ton of track position because they ended up being in the pits for way too long. And at Bristol, you can't have these very long pit stops. I mean, you've got to get in and get out because people are running a 15 second lap. I mean, and they did that all night. So for me, it's one of those things where Yes, I think it's important to have some tire fall off. I mean, a good example would be, like I said, Darlington earlier, but the way Atlanta used to be before they did the track reconfiguration, that was such a, you know, a play in the driver's hands because they had to manage another aspect of the race versus going somewhere where the tire degradation is just not there and you're just going to run hundreds of laps on, on a set of tires and you don't really have to pit that much except for fuel. Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting to see to go from a race where we had Darlington open the playoffs off and the guys just really want fresh Goodyear so they can hold their car, they can stay off the wall and they have a handle on the car. And then we have Bristol where the tires just didn't fall off at all. But it, it's really the thing I like about how Bristol was run with the tires not having much fall off. I do love watching Darlington. I really love watching them manage the cars. But at Bristol, it was kind of like, you have a fast car. You're you're running. You're racing your way up to the lead. Like, there's, you can't really complain about having bad tires. So it, it really brought the super fast guys, and they were able to to make their way up to the front just driving on the track, which, which I like to see that. They could push their cars without much of 
aware on the tires of the tires. I mean, that one pit stop we saw, Brad Keselowski was running faster laps than people who had fresh tires. So I like that aspect. But we did see a lot of a lot of chaos on pit road. Ryan Blaney, who lost a tire, uh, didn't make it onto the track, but he was rolling out of his pit stop, and the tire kind of parted ways with him. There was a couple other guys. I think two of two of those incidents happened. But to be this far into the season with tire mishaps where they don't get the tire on the car and they drop the jack, it's pretty surprising. But obviously they're trying to get the cars off really fast. Um, do you think we're going to see more of that as the playoffs go on, trying to get quicker pit stops and making mistakes? I don't think so. And one of the reasons why I think Bristol was such an anomaly is we've only ran on the concrete once this year, and this is the first time that those cars have ran on the concrete. The other time we were at Bristol, it was on dirt. And and I like the dirt race, no bones about it. But when you bring this car to this track in this configuration, I think that's why we had so much attrition for different teams. I mean, at that point in the race, when Ryan Blaney's wheel came off, he had already had a broken toe link. He he was limping the car around the track and had it had the damage was done. I mean, he finished what is it a hundred and thirty something laps off of the pace. I mean, he went behind the wall at one point and still advanced onto the next round, which I think is absolutely crazy. Like if he went, he was pretty much one of the first ones that had an issue and he still finished the race, even though he only completed 338 laps out of 500. I mean, that's unreal. And so I think for me, these pit crews are not going to have as much of a problem in these next couple of races because we have raced at Texas before, even though it wasn't a points race. We've still had this car on that track, and they kind of know what to expect. The next race, Talladega, that's kind of a toss-up. That's going to be who can keep their nose clean. And, you know, if your arrow gets messed up at Talladega, you're just going to put as much Bondo on that car as you can. And these cars haven't really had the issue that we've had in the past, where if the arrow gets messed up a little bit, suddenly, you know, your your whole front car, front of your car is Bondo. These composite bodies will give a little bit, and you can kind of pop some stuff back out. And then we go to the Roval, which is completely different from the other two tracks that we'll be at in this round. So for me, I'd, I think if I'm going to pick one, you know, which one's going to make the biggest difference? I think the pit crews will make the biggest difference in the Roval because track position is going to be everything in that race. Talladega, they'll probably be vital if you get in a cr- crash and you end up having to fix the car or be on the crash clock. So to me... I don't think we'll see the same thing that happened in Bristol in these next three races. Okay. And then going into this round, we've talked about the tracks. Texas is coming up this weekend. And I think it's the one track that these drivers really have to finish good at because Going into Talladega and the Roval, no clue on what's going to happen there. Obviously, we we have run races on both of those tracks. Uh, obviously, not on the Roval, but we've run races on road courses, so we know what's gonna what it's gonna be like. But there's such kind of throw ups in the air. Like you're gonna go into the Roval and you have no clue where you're gonna come out of it. Same thing with Talladega. You could qualify in the pole and the 10 laps later after the race starts you could be upside down so i think this is the one round that in this playoffs that is just 
very chaotic. Like it's kind of who knows. You could if you're in the hole, which they start off the playoffs. The the guy who's farthest out is Austin Cindric. He's seven points out, which is very doable. Like easily, you can advance on points. But it's a tr- it's a round that's like you you got to get through Texas clean because your odds of getting through Talladega and the Roval clean are not in your favor. And I think it helps that guys like Daniel Suarez and and Chase Briscoe and Austin Sindrick are good at road courses because Talladega is going to be a crapshoot. You Texas is going to be if you have the fastest car at Texas, you're you're going to be up at the front easily. If you have a slow car at Texas or a middle-of-the-pack car, it's going to be hard to get points out of it. Talladega is going to be a track that you really you really have to get lucky to get, get good points out of. And then the Roval is probably the best shot as a, a skilled driver to work your way to a good finish. And it, anything can really happen there. So... I think this Texas race is going to be exciting in the way that you're going to see some fast cars out of these guys because they need to to get through Texas on the upside because who knows what's going to happen in the races after that. Yeah, I'm kind of looking at it as if I were a driver, I would want to be good at Texas and and I want to be thinking in my brain, okay, this is the only race that I need to be worrying about. I need to worry about doing well at Texas and I need to make sure that I get a good finish and I run all the laps because if you have an issue like Ryan Blaney had at Bristol and they made minimum speed and then they took the car behind the wall for a hundred and something laps, you know, you're, you're not, you're going to get points. Yeah. But you're not going to get enough points because right now, even if you look at the plus minus Chase Elliott's leading, he's plus 31. Joey Logano is plus 16 Ross Chastain plus 11 Kyle Larson plus 10 and then William Byron six Hamlin Bell and Blaney all at four and then Briscoe minus four he's below the cut line Alex Bowman six behind the cut line Daniel Suarez six behind the cut line and Austin Sendrick is seven behind the cut line so you could potentially say from second to 12th there is only, what is that, eight or ten spots between them? Mm-hmm. Any one of these guys from, and we saw this in the last round, Chase Elliott was plus 31, and he ended up you know, finishing kind of middle of the pack, like seventh or eighth, but then once the points mm-hmm. reset, he goes back to the top again. Yeah. So That's... It, it, it is possible to make up 31 points. Any of these 12 drivers can do that if they have a good Texas race and then they have one other good race. That's why I like thinking of these races not as, you know, we go to the Roval and people will say that's an elimination race. No, any one of these three races can be an elimination race because if you have a really bad day somewhere and you're one of these 12 drivers and you only run a number of laps and you crash out early, that's it. I mean, that that could be what eliminates you from the playoffs. Well, look at Kevin Harvick's first round. He went into Darlington, ran really solid, but ended up with a very unlucky fire that ended his race. And he he completed a, a decent bit of the race, but it set him in a really big hole. And going into the next race, it was possible for him to recover. But 
when you DNF twice in a row, you're in a big hole. So that that Darlington race, which it's none of it was his fault. I I got to be honest, none of it was his fault. But it, well, they've he, had that issue all season too. I mean, the Fords yeah. have had a problem with the undercarriage, it collecting rubber and debris, and then it catching on fire. And like he said, I'm not going to sit in here and just burn up. Yeah, it's it's one of these things. You go into Texas and you have an unlucky issue like Kyle Busch had two engines blown in the first round. You one one mistake, one mishap, and you're eliminated practically. You you're in a must win position, and you do not want to be in a must win position in this round. This is the one round that it's it's good luck. Like you're, you don't want to be in a must win going into the road. Well, even me, like I said earlier, I'm only going to think about the first race in this round and take these one race at a time. So if, if I'm one of these 12 guys, one of these 12 teams, I'm going to be thinking, what can I do at Texas to get myself the best finish possible potentially win the race or just have a good points day because I know a lot of people say well they everyone needs to be driving to win the race but if I show up with a 12th place car I mean and, and they will know I mean you get out there and do your practice and qualifying you're going to know kind of what your car will do it would be great if you could win but if you have a good points day that's just as good at this point because the consistency that you're being rewarded with I mean look, a good example Ryan Blaney hasn't won a race this year been consistent all year long. He's still above the bubble. I mean, he's right there. He's eighth, but he's still four points to the good. So it says something to be consistent. I mean, look at Chase Elliott. It took him almost half a season to win uh, four races. And once he started winning, they came kind of in bunches. But he was leading. He's he's been been leading the points all season because he's been consistent. Mm -hmm. So even with this win in your end mentality and us putting so much value in winning these races, if you're still really consistent and running up front, it's going to pay dividends for you in the long run. Yeah, and the other thing that's going to be really challenging at Texas is if you you look at the weather, it's supposed to be 95 average on race day. And this is another 500-mile race. We don't have a lot of 500-mile races on mile and a half. So there's uh, three of the, I guess if we count Atlanta as a super speedway, four of the six super speedways are 500-mile races. And then you have, uh, obviously, the... Um, I think the Phoenix race at the start of the season is a 500-mile race. The Coke 600 is a 600-mile race. And then you have um, – what else is there? There's – well, Texas, and I think that might be it as 500-mile race. No, Darlington. Darlington, the Southern 500 is a 500-mile race. But these are very long races. This – this is a track that I think we are going to see some failures in the cars. We might see a blown engine. We might see multiple tire issues. We might see ex- issues with the exhaust. Who really knows? But it's it's going to be a long race, and that's going to put something into it. These drivers are going to have to battle that. The heat and the length of this race is going to be a toll on these drivers. So, who who knows? This is a crapshoot again. It's it's not easy to win playoff races. It's not easy to win a race in NASCAR. But when when you go into a round like this and you really want to have a consistent run at a track 
like this, it's not going to be fun. You you just got to hope that you stay clean and you have a good car and you no bad luck. But it's going to be exciting uh, watching them go for 500 miles around Texas. Yeah, I agree. And for me, what I think I think you said something interesting. I don't think we're going to see a lot of failure, like engine failure or you know parts failure, like we did at Bristol. Again, I think the load management at that track. We're just not foreseen because they haven't ran there before. They kind of know what what to do at Texas. I mean, for the All Star Race, we didn't really see that much engine failure or that or or you know parts breaking. I know that that is not as long as five hundred miles, but we've seen in the past that these cars can handle long you know long amounts of time running, you know, without without having an engine failure or part failure or power steering failure. Or something along those lines. To me, I think the biggest factor is going to be the heat. Because people don't understand how hot it gets inside the cockpits of these race cars. Yeah, I mean, if it's 95 outside, the inside of that race car could easily be 130. Yeah. And and to me, that that then goes back to the driver. How good a shape are they in? You know, where, how can they set themselves apart mentally? And so, to me, if I'm going to look at someone who has kind of all of that together. I think Joey Logano is a good candidate for that. I mean, he he puts on the glasses and straps the helmet in and pulls the belt straps tight, and he's ready to go. Another one I think that would be really good this weekend is probably Alex Bowman. I mean, he's shown before he won at Las Vegas earlier this year. Kyle Busch will swear that he backed into it, but he does have a win on a mile and a half this year, and he's another one of those guys that just has a sneaky good season every year. And he doesn't get talked about a lot. So I, I think those two guys could pay dividends. But also, Ross Chastain has been really good everywhere we've been. So I, I would also look out for the number one car. And I will say, from what we learned, that little snippet on uh, the all-star race at Texas is Ross Chastain was fast. The Chevys were very fast. And... You didn't see him finish the. You didn't see him win the race. You saw Ryan Blaney win the race. That's because of that one massive wreck when Ross Chastain almost flipped. But if if they didn't end up wrecking, it would have been the Ross Chastain and Kyle Larson show. I agree. It it, it would have been no nobody behind them would have had a shot. Maybe Kyle Larson, maybe or Kyle or Kyle Larson, maybe Kyle Busch, maybe Chase Elliott. But Ryan Blaney would have had no shot to win that race if those guys were in. If you just watched it, he he had no pace compared to them. But he was the fastest car besides them. So as soon as they got knocked out of the race, it was his race to lose. So Even with the window net down. Yeah, even with the window net down. That whole thing, we won't see that. We won't see a car go with one lap to go, getting the white flag in the costume. That's not how it's going to end at, at Texas, just because of the rules. But... It's it's gonna be we we saw a little bit from the All Star race, but again, it's gonna be nothing like the All Star race. I think they're gonna bring a different package. They always bring a weird package to the All Star race. Um, but another thing on the All Star race, I'm very happy that they announced All Star race moving to North Wilkesboro next year. That's gonna be a very exciting race, a great weekend with the truck race there and the All Star race there. It's going to be an amazing weekend backs it up the weekend before uh the coke 600 as well so i don't know your thoughts on that but i think it is wonderful for the sport wonderful for wilkes county and it's a a great thing that is coming back 
It's a welcomed addition. I, I mean, just going there and seeing the reception that Dale Jr. received when they ran those late model races a few weeks ago, I think it's going to be one of the must-see events of next season. And if if it were me, I don't think I would add any more seats. I would make it a limited you know, ticket, and when it sells out, it sells out. And I think that would just add to the allure of going to this track another time and seeing cup cars run on it. To me, that's, it would be the best thing. And it just, it's just a good throwback to days of yesteryear. Yeah. And it's, it's not like it's going to be run on new pavement. They are running it on the original North Wilkesboro pavement, the pavement that is on the track right now. And I was at the race that junior ran at the late model race and you could not go to a more energized track. That place was amazing. And Dale Earnhardt, he ended up finishing, um, I think it was third. But if he would have won that race, I don't think we'd be having an all-star race there. because The, the place would have been would've torn would've down. Found, <laughs> the place would have had an earthquake just because of the amount of shakiness. The, the, the fans there would have caused an earthquake. But it was... It was incredible, and I'm so excited that they're running it there. It's going to be a great week, and from what I know, I think there's going to be some late model races that Dale Earnhardt Jr. is running that the week before or the couple days before the All Star race. But God, you got to get your tickets fast because it is going to sell quick. Well, even Jimmy Johnson kind of mentioned that he still has All Star eligibility. So, I I mean, who's to say? I mean, at this point, you've got, what, 20 winners? The field Mm -hmm. at North Wilkesboro is going to be almost full. And who's to say that Hendrick doesn't put him in a car? Why not? Why not put Jeff Gordon in a car as well? It would it'd be awesome to see see some guys like that come back. I think if you're Jimmy Johnson, you're eligible. You won 10 years ago. Technically, you are eligible for this race. This is the last all-star race you're eligible. Other than that, you'll have to win your way in through a heat race. Um, so why not get in a car and, and race it? It would be if I was in his seat, it'd be done. I'm racing that race, but excited. To, to see that race roll up, I'm I'm excited to get that. I am too. And well, it, it's I know that it's going to be a hard ticket to get. So it and the bad part is is that PRN doesn't cover that race. That's actually an MRN race. So <laughs> we'll uh, we'll see what happens and see if we can make it up there. But it's a great venue. I'm excited to be going back there, and I'm excited for the rest of this these playoffs to play out. So far, I have been correct that three. <laughs> Non-playoff drivers would win a race, and they won them all three in a row. I don't think I can do another Nostradamus pick, and I came really close to picking the winner last week on this show, and I said Brad Kay has a good shot to win, and I was almost yeah, right. So I've been really lucky the past <laughs> like three or four weeks, and I don't think it's going to continue. You that, that was a very bold pick, but I think it's even more surprising that, yes, we got three winners that were non-playoff, but none of them were Martin Truex Jr., which is the one guy I would have winning in front of this, anybody who wasn't a playoff driver. So I'm I'm surprised at the fact that we have three non-playoff drivers winning the first three races in the round, making it 19 winners this year, and we can easily get to 21 with knowing Martin Truex Jr. is always going to be in in a battle for a win at almost every track. And Brian Bellaney, who's doesn't have a win yet, he's going to be in a battle knowing that he's in the playoffs. And 
I don't know. I think he's this playoffs could could be sworn by some non-playoff winning drivers. We know Michael McDowell, he doesn't have a win. Talladega, Roval, two tracks. He's Almondinger. Almondinger could sneak up and get a win at the Roval. He ran great at Bristol. Get another I think he got a top ten. Yep, seventh place at Bristol. So I I I think we gotta give it to NASCAR. This this next gen cars really brought the competition closely. And and it's just fun watching a race and not having a clue on who's going to win. I think we came into Texas last year, and we kind of knew that it was going to be won by Kyle Larson or Chase Elliott. And it's it's fun watching any race and having no clue who's going to win. We still haven't gotten a pick right on this podcast, which it's it's exciting. We're going to go on and make some picks right now, I think. Well, I was going to ask you who 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 are who are you thinking about Ooh, picking? Because I think I picked first last time, so I'll let you go yeah, first. Yeah, you picked first last time. I'm gonna go. I want to say Corey Le- or Corey Le- I want to say Ross Chastain, but I've said him so much. I don't think I don't know. I I don't think I can pick him. I think um I think Chase Elliott. I I think he's good, but. I, th- I think Chase Elliott's going to win Texas. I think we're going to end the streak of non-playoff drivers winning. He's got a good point buffer. Get a win at Texas. Point your way in. I think this is a round that he can get a win through, and he'll be easy with the Rova lined up. And Texas is a track that the Chevys are going to be good at. So I think picking him is a safe pick. So I'll go with Chase Elliott. I like that. Uh, I'm going to pick a Chevy as well, and there's two drivers that I've been looking at, and I've already mentioned one of them earlier. I think the track house cars will be good. I don't – I and the problem is, is I don't think Ross Chastain will win the race. I think that he'll mm-hmm. get caught up in something. I mean, it's Ross. He's going to yeah. beat and bang and move somebody if they're in the way. I think Suarez has a pretty good chance. He's been pretty consistent lately, and he just keeps getting caught up in stuff. I feel like if he could actually run – you know, a full complete race without having some kind of issue where he gets caught up in a wreck of his, you know, not of his own doing. And we even saw that when him and Christopher Bell were racing and Christopher Bell just runs him in the outside of the wall. I think that he could potentially, you know, see top five again. But for me, I think Alex Bowman will put it together. Greg Ives is retiring at the end of the year. I think Alex will put it together and he'll win a race and he'll punch his way into the next you know, the next round, the round of eight. And I think you're right. I think we a playoff driver will win at Texas and it will break the streak of the non-playoff drivers winning because I think these mile and a halfs are just more set up for the people that have already won a race. And I don't see Bubba Wallace or Eric Jones or Chris Busher winning at, uh, at Texas. And then, you know, Tyler Reddick could very well go out there and win, but I think it will be someone that's still in the playoffs. I think that these teams are too good now to, um, not win a race. And so I think Alex Bowman will get it done this weekend. And one more thing I'd like to add. I think we did this at the the first round of the playoffs. Can you give me two drivers who you think will not make it to the next round and two drivers who will? I think Cindric gets eliminated this round. And then I think, Ooh, man, that's hard. I think Cindric, I think Cindric will get eliminated, and then I think Briscoe will be the other one eliminated. Okay. My two locks, I'm going to say Logano moves on, 
and then Ross Chastain. I I I agree with that. I th- I'm going to take his guys. I think I would boot out is Chase Briscoe and Austin Cindric. I think Chase Briscoe. He's had a, a really good season, but he could knock one of these races out. He could win one of them. It's it's not out of the realm of possibility. Austin Cindric. I think this round's really. Not it's tough for him. for him. The Rovals, I think, his best shot, honestly, of winning it. He's a great road course driver. I think Talladega is going to be too much for these young guys. To I think they're going to be too aggressive, make a bad move, end up wrecking out. So I think those guys are, are my guys who are going to get knocked out. The guys who are locks, I'm going to say Chase Elliott. He's leading in points. He's got a 31 point to the good. He's up there. He's... Won the playoff, won the regular season championship. So he's he's the guy who should be the one out of all of these guys who should advance. And also Ross Chastain, got to go with him. He's just so consistent. If he can, if the track keep house his nose guys, clean, <laughs> if he can keep his nose clean, and the track house guys Daniel Suarez and Ross Chastain can just put together a race and not get unlucky at the end, I think both of those guys can go really far in the playoffs. If you look past. Chase Briscoe and Andre Austin Cindric, though, it is super tight yes. between those guys. Like you could have any of those guys advancing to the final four. So it's going to be a really, really exciting round to go through because once this round goes through, we cut down to eight drivers, and any of those eight drivers, I'm sure, will be able to go to the championship. I mean, so. if you look at it, positions 12 to what is it, 25 are separated. By nine points, it's it's a crazy. It's this is got to be one of the tightest, if not the tightest, races for a championship we've ever had. It's, gotta love it. It's the car, man. It's, it's it's awesome. I don't think we've been in a situation. We've probably maybe once or twice the the year. I think what was it, Tony Stewart won it, and Denny Hamlin was leading into Homestead. Something I, I'm not exactly sure on what it was, but that I think there was like a four-way battle. Five people could have won the championship, but it was a stretch. This year, at this point, we have zero clue at who's going to win the championship. I think middle of uh, towards the end of the summer, that Nashville-Dover uh, stretch of races, Chase Elliott was getting really hot. He's cooled down a lot. It's it's one of those things where this year has been you get hot, you win a couple races, and then you disappear. So we haven't had a, a sure shot on who's going to win the championship or who's a top runner all year. Even Chase Elliott now, he's leading points. We, he's not anywhere faster than any of the other guys. Like week in, week out, it's a different guy dominating. So I don't know. I'm excited to see how this goes. I'm I'm really excited to see who the final four is because I don't know the eight guys in the round of eight. All eight of them, you could make a reason why they're going to win the championship or why they could win the championship. So. It's it's an exciting race. If you're a if you're a big better, it's a hard season to, to yes. make money off betting. Good luck. Be playing those uh plus one ten, minus one tens. Those are the yeah. best way. It's about fifty percent probability. That's the way I would go. But for me, I look at all twelve of these drivers that are still in, and until if I was one of them, until they eliminated me, I would still think that I had a shot because mm-hmm. we've seen it all year. I mean, and it's so tight points wise. I mean, all it takes is, you know, one bad 
race. But then again, if you win one of these, you move on. So until they tell me I'm I'm eliminated, I'm just I would just keep driving the car as hard as I could. Yeah, and it it doesn't help the fact that trying to find a top runner for the championship when the first three races of the playoffs are won by guys who cannot win the championship. But I love it. it just makes it even better. It it makes it like it makes it exciting. You're when you're watching a race and you there's a guy who's hasn't won a race the season, hasn't really run good, comes up and is faster than guys who are there every week. It's it's exciting, and I think we're going to see that the rest of this year and and next year as well. And this this car has really changed a lot. You can you can tell the way it drives on strictly the mile and a half, two mile tracks. It's really tightened those races up and made those, in my opinion, I. When we go to tracks like Charlotte, or I guess you consider Atlanta, Atlanta's a very exciting race, but Charlotte, Kansas, Homestead I'm expecting to be really good. Michigan was good. I think this car on those intermediate tracks is the best car. It's the best tracks it has, and they are always so exciting to watch. So I'm I'm excited. I'm hoping Texas is the same way. I hope this continues throughout the playoffs, but really – I mean, we we picked our drivers, but who knows? It's going to be exciting watching the rest of this playoffs. And I want to thank you, David, for joining me. Uh, just an exciting playoffs. Tune in to Texas. It's going to be a great race. So uh, thanks for stopping by the garage.